Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket. Today I have an outstanding guest. His name is Jamie Edwards. He is the CEO and co-founder at Cloudbreak Health. At Cloudbreak Health, they're the leading telemedicine company that is currently performing over 70,000 encounters per month in over 650 hospitals nationwide. Their mission is to humanize healthcare by leveraging technology to build trusted communication and relationships between patients and providers. Jamie's done a lot in healthcare. He's been a CEO and co-founder of various different companies. He's also been and is currently a member of the board of directors at Emergent Medical Associates. His story is long. His story is meaningful. And uh, he's just done so much that I wanted to have him on the podcast today. And so without further ado, I just wanted to, to welcome Jamie to the show. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Saul. I'm really stoked to be here. I love the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. And so, you know, one of the things that I like to ask all of our guests is why did you decide to get into the healthcare business? <laughs> well, that's an entertaining story, at least for me, and it has Let's to do it. with uh, family. So my, the first 10 years of my career was investment banking and private equity. Uh, I worked in the communications and media group at Lehman Brothers and got to work on some really great deals there, like taking Google public and oh, awesome very cool. Six Flags and just some stuff like that. And um, so I got to see a lot of companies do it right and do it wrong and lift the hood on a lot of different businesses. While I was doing that, there was a gentleman who was my uncle and he was an ER doctor here in Southern California. And I got to have the opportunity to share a lot of my expertise with him. And he realized eventually that a lot of what I was telling him could help drive his business forward. And so he he initially went out and got one contract on his own. And then he got two contracts, then three, then four. And eventually he asked me to join the business full time. And I had moved him out of his home office into a real office. I had built one of the first merit-based payroll systems for physicians in the United States, something that, that you know Emergent Medical Associates still uses today. And we eventually built one of the leading groups in the Southwest um, that was seeing about a million patients a year. And while I was managing that business, we came across a company called the Language Access Network. And Language Access Network was the predecessor company to Cloudbreak Health. And what they did was perform video medical interpreting. And the company was originally founded in 2003. And and had our chief medical officer at Emergent Medical Associates had sat on their board. They were a public company. And um, we engineered a deal to take them private back in January of 2008. And then we uh, turned the company on its head and really helped grow it. And we turned it into what is today Cloudbreak Health. Very cool. Very cool. So it started off in investment banking, took a look at the mechanics, became useful to your uncle. And then all of a sudden you find yourself as a partner and co-founder of the company. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of these things where healthcare is so ripe for transformation and you can't help but look around. Like everyone you talk to is frustrated about it and not only patients, but physicians as well. And I got to see in working in, you know, my uncle's business and helping him grow that company that on the front lines of care, just the day wasn't that easy, right? Not only did you have more patients asking you, you know, you had to see more patients because with the ACA, more people were coming into hospitals to seek care than ever before. And by the way, it's not like hospital infrastructure has changed. Right. Right? So you had to do more work with the same physical plan. And then you had the fact that these patients 
where you know their care was being paid for by a payer. So the patients, to a certain degree, started feeling entitled to a certain level of service. The doctors are being asked to do more with less. Patients are a little less respectful, if you will, of the process right. and less compassionate for the physician. And now doctors with meaningful use also had to use this new medical technology called the electronic medical record. And that intermediated the relationship between them and the patient. Instead of looking at the patient and having that really great eye contact and touch point, they were typing into the computer and it slowed things down. And so you have these really stressed out physicians who were, by the way, the most burnt out workforce in the country. Right. 49% of doctors suffer burnout. And so when you see That's all this- a number. It's a huge number. Yeah. And you know what the first symptom of burnout is that they treat patients like objects instead of people. So you've got patients treating their doctor like a cog in the wheel, the doctor treating their patient like an object to be moved through this medical factory. And for us, I was the business guy going to shadow my docs in the ER, reminding them, I'm like, I can't believe you just did that. That was incredible. Like I was incurred from an outsider's perspective, you see what right. happens in that environment and you can't help but be in awe of it because these guys are saving lives every day, but that's not how they view it. Yeah. Right? Their mentality is, how do I get through this next shift? Because sure. it's an athletic event for eight, 10, 12 hours, however long they're on shift. Yeah. You know, Jamie, I just had a guest, you know, Dr. Sudeep Bose. He was saying, you know, 6,000 clicks is the typical shift. Oh my ER. God. I haven't, I haven't heard 6, it quantified like that before. Clicks. I love that. And he was talking about like 26 clicks for an aspirin. And I mean, just like mind boggling, I'll have to hook you up with him. Bottom line is what I love about CloudBreak is that you guys are humanizing healthcare. And, yep. and as we talk about humanizing healthcare, putting the patient at the center, What's a hot topic you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda? And what is CloudBreak doing today to really approach that? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Our company is all about solving healthcare disparities. So we talk about humanizing healthcare. It's not only about putting the patient at the center. It's about putting the provider at the center as well. Mm. Because I think what we've That's forgotten in the healthcare system is that everybody is, we're all people. Right. And Amen. all these people have a story. And so our technologies that we put in the field are all about allowing people to tell their story. Communication is the number one diagnostic tool that a physician has in treating a patient. And what happens when they can't communicate effectively with them? Well, you order a bunch of defensive medicine tests. The patient languages longer in the bed than they should. They don't get discharged on time. You know, all of these different things happen when you don't have proper access to high quality communication. So from our perspective, when we talk about humanizing healthcare, a lot of it was actually centered around the physician. You know, we call ourselves a very provider centric company and we figure if we can solve the provider problem, if we can restore a little bit of the joy of calling back to their practice, they'll take better care of their patients. And if we can build a little empathy in the patient, then they'll understand that their physician, while you're, you know, it's, it's so hard, right? You're sitting there in the doctor's yeah. office, you're waiting 20, 30 minutes for your appointment. You're worried about your time and your schedule. But what if as a patient, you understood that the doctor was spending time with the patient ahead of you who just had a terminal diagnosis of cancer? And would you be a little bit more compassionate to make sure that that doctor had the time to explain to the patient the problems and was just trying to do the right thing? But instead, doctors, it's like no good deed goes unpunished in healthcare. Right. Right. We yeah. as the patient come down and they're like, do you know how important my time is? And by the way, there's this little thing called HIPAA, which prevents them from telling us what they were doing before. Exactly. So we don't have any context about it. So for us, it's all about building this compassion, building this understanding and helping solve the healthcare disparities that result 
from these types of communication errors or these types of, you know, we were talking about silos before. De-siloing healthcare is a big part of driving that type of productivity forward. Jamie, I really love the focus of what you guys are doing right now. And, and oftentimes as patients, you know, we don't think about that. Right. Bringing the human factor to our physician providers as well. Yep. And they're not just a cog in the machine. They're human beings providing care. Yep. That's a really great, great point that you make. Very provider-centric as well. And I think it's just every key stakeholder in the system needs to have their representation, the patients, the providers, the payers. And it sounds like you guys are doing a really outstanding job for the providers and helping them in in what they do. Yeah. Well, we look at, funnily enough, we look at patient outcomes as the result of our investment. Right, Because if we can invest in the provider and we can invest in bringing the payer to the table, if you really think about it, payers, providers, and patients are three Ps. You might include a fourth P in there, pharma. But those Ps, if you will, they all sit on different sides of the table, different incentives. None of them are aligned. They right. all want different things. Our goal is to bring a technology to bear that allows them to actually operate as a care team, that empowers the patient to understand their care better, that empowers a provider to have all the resources at their fingertips to make the right diagnosis. And from a payer standpoint, you know, the payer often has this longitudinal record about the patient that the provider never gets to access. Mm -hmm. So can the provider, can the payer, sorry, bring that to an encounter and say, wouldn't it be interesting if you're in the emergency department and your payer is on a telemedicine call with you, the provider's in the room with the patient, and they're bringing in another physician specialty resource over telemedicine as well, and everyone's coordinated around making sure that this diagnosis and treatment is correct. That, at the end of the day, is what we're trying to do, and we call it unified telemedicine. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper, Jamie. Let's uh, do it. Yeah, I love it, man. You're just ready. You're ready for it. Let's do it. I'm game. I'm game. About you. So can you give the listeners an example of how you and Cloudbreak have created results by thinking and doing things differently? Sure. Typically in hospitals today, um, especially in and around telemedicine, because, you know, there's telemedicine 1.0 was pick up the phone, call your doc. Telemedicine 2.0 was great, let's add video. But the video that was added was proprietary video products. And those products, because they were less expensive, they're really WebRTC driven, a lot of them. And so what you ended up with was a bunch of different point solutions in hospitals. You had X company on Y platform, A company on B platform, and C company on D platform, and none of them spoke to each other. So what you ended up with is health system's inability to bring a full continuum of care to surround the patient and a doctor not having access to the resources that they needed to provide the right diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so we took a step back and we saw this because our first product in market was helping limited English proficient and deaf and hard of hearing patients solve their communication problem. And we did that by bringing an interpreter to the point of care over telemedicine. So hit a button on the screen, get the interpreter that you need within 30 to 60 seconds. And now this patient who previously, like you're in a hospital, it's the scariest time of your life when you speak English. When you don't speak English, it's terrifying. People are running around and saying things you don't understand what's going on. So all of a sudden, we've empowered the patient to take control of their care. We've empowered the provider to make a better diagnosis, right? So that was a big driver of the adoption of the service initially. But what we saw was that the telestroke provider was on a different platform. And if they needed a Spanish interpreter, what did they do? They rolled our device and the other device into the room, and it was a terrible user experience and not horribly collaborative. So we were the first company in the country to bring it all together on the same platform. Language interpretive services, Telestroke, Telepsych, all available at the push of a button. And so we have a client in Los Angeles called Avanti Hospitals, and they're an inner city urban hospital health system. 
and they serve a lot of underserved patients and ethnically diverse patients. So you have patients presenting to the ER, they wanted to become an accredited stroke center. So how do you do that if you want to keep patients in the community? And you talk about outcomes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the studies have shown that if a patient can remain within their community and remain within their support network, that their outcomes are better, right? Their, their family can visit them. All of those qualitative factors that lead to better results at the end of the day can be integrated into their care pathway. So what we decided to do is get all of these things integrated onto one platform. We brokered a deal between Avanti and University of Southern California with their neurology department so they could bring telestroke consults over to Avanti. Avanti then became an accredited stroke center as a result. And now this community where they previously had to truck patients or transfer patients to a higher level of care to other facilities, now these patients can remain in their facility and remain in their community in their support networks and we're saving lives every day on the platform. That's outstanding. And, and what a great ability to connect the dots. You guys really just did a phenomenal job of seeing where the gaps were. And I feel like as the innovators in this space, Jamie, and the leaders that look to improve it, you really have to take that step back that you guys took and say, where are the gaps here? And you guys took your time to understand what was going on. You found the gaps and you put it all together. And now you've got a customer that has a certified stroke center and now you're saving lives. I mean, that's huge and, a, and an awesome story. And oftentimes I feel like you know, with successes, we also have failures and it's those setbacks that we learn a lot from and sometimes even more from our setbacks, right? <laughs> yeah. So what can you share with the listeners about maybe a potential setback that you had and what it caused you to learn? Can you take us to that moment? Yeah, every setback is an opportunity, right, Saul? I love your philosophy, my friend. Yeah, you know. And it is, I do believe that. Yeah, as an entrepreneur trying to build a business, we face setbacks every single day. And I think we're all under the impression when you look on the outside, when you look at some businesses, you're like, wow, those guys have it all together. You know, when we look at our competitors, when we look at other people doing great things in the space, you're just assuming when that press release comes out and that deal gets announced that those guys have it all together. What I learned in banking is when you lift the hood, they don't, right? We all have issues and setbacks that we face in our businesses. So I've never, I never assume that now. I assume everyone has challenges and struggles. And one for us that was particular is we used to get our teeth kicked in every single day when someone would hit a button on the platform and it didn't work as performed. Mm -hmm. And granted, this was early in the career, but we had one situation where our system went down for three days. Mission critical hospital system. And it went down and it's like the concept of me sharing this on a podcast alone would probably uh, horrify um, (laughs) some people in my company, but it was a great learning experience for us. And it went down not due to us, but due to one of our partner systems. And we ended up fixing that issue, but it was a great opportunity for us to show our clients how much we cared about them. We came up with contingency plans for them. We made sure that they had access to services despite our service being down. We even paid for those services. We did what was right by them, even though the technology itself, because working with technology can be frustrating. It doesn't always work the way you want it to work. And then we came out of that and we learned... We did our root cause analysis and we learned what went wrong and we put processes in place to fix it. And it made the system even better and more reliable. And we increased our redundancy. You know, we did all sorts of things like that that are necessary when you're dealing with a mission critical hospital system. And I think it actually engendered and built on our relationships with our clients. I think those are opportunities to prove as a company your character. And what, you know, do you live by your ideals? Because nothing, it's never more difficult to live by your ideals than when things are going wrong. When things are going well, it's easy 
Oh, yeah. Right? It's easy. So for us, it was an opportunity to prove ourselves. And I think we did that in spades. I think that's awesome. And one of the things that, that what you said, Jamie, that really kind of struck a chord is just this opportunity to strengthen a partnership when times of, of difficulty come about. And this is when your true character and your true values as a person and also as an organization really shines or doesn't. And so it sounds like you, it sounds like the, the folks at Cloudbreak really came together and delivered. And so kudos to you for doing that. Now you guys have systems and processes and redundancies in place so that the new customers that you get now benefit from what happened. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And, you know, I give a, it's really nice to work with clients who, you know, can be good partners as well, right? Because they're making an investment in you and they're making an investment in your service. And it's nice when something like this happens because they face this every day in their hospitals. Hospitals have multiple systems. This is happening to them every day. These systems go down, something happens, the technology doesn't work as it's supposed to. And they get it on their side and they face this frustration. So, our goal as a company was to address that frustration head on and say, wow, you're probably really frustrated this is happening, but here's how we're going to solve it. Please let us know what we can do to serve you better. And again, that was the opportunity to really show the mission and, and the vision and the, and the values of our company. Absolutely. And you know, Outcomes Rocket listeners, the message here that really stands out is that you also, as you, as you look to improve your system and look to improve outcomes, it's so important that you pick the right partners. There's so many folks out there that oftentimes don't align with our values. They don't align with our missions. You have to make sure that you align with the right partners. And, And just like Jamie did in his company, when the problems hit, because that alignment was there, they were able to work through it and get out on the other side stronger. And so this is a huge point, Jamie, that that I'm just taking in right now. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Always align with the right partners. So you showed us a little bit of the dark side. Take us to the light now. What is one of your proudest experiences in leadership in medicine up to today? I think it would go back to that Avanti USC case study. That to us was just a shining example of the innovative spirit of the company. And we realized as we built our company that we had these three core assets. One, one of the largest private broadband networks into healthcare in the country. Two, an incredibly robust video contact center that was light years ahead of what was in the market, even relative to other companies in the space that had launched video contact centers. We just have the most robust routing ability of pretty much anyone in the market. And we were the first people to do this in video when it was something that was very commonplace in in an audio call center, like being able to route a call. So you had bullseye routing, skills-based routing, hold cues, doing that in video is, is a totally new challenge. So we realized that we had that and then we had this marketplace of facilities and then bringing all of it together so that we could show people, look, We can bring you all the services that you need, literally available on billions of devices because the platform's available on PC, iOS, or Android. And we're now doing 70, 75,000 encounters a month, which makes us almost the size of Teladoc. I think Teladoc's more around the 100,000 encounter a month type of level. But for a company of our size with our, you know, the investments that have been made into us um, relative to larger, more well-capitalized businesses, that is something to be incredibly proud of. Right. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment for people to pull together and make something like that happen. So very proud of that. We're very proud of that case study. We're working with some other leading institutions that I cannot name right now. Some new applications that will be launching into market that are very, very exciting. And, you know, it's that innovative spirit for which we got recognized with a Patrick Soonshung Innovation Award back in November because we have brought a lot of first to market. 
right? The first video medical interpreting platform, the first unified telemedicine platform. So for us, it's not just about being happy where we are. It's about looking to the future, about where things will be and skating to that puck. That's huge. I love that Wayne Gretzky, right? You know, go yeah. where the puck is going, not where it is. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Jamie, what is it right now? an exciting project or focus that you're working on? We are actually working on telesitting applications right now. So one of the highest ROI use cases in medicine today is telesitting, preventing patient falls out of beds, falls out of chairs, seeing when a patient gets restless and might be at risk for a fall. And the way that's being solved right now is they actually pay for sitters to be in the room and watch the patient. Mm-hmm. You know, not that efficient. Right. So Very labor intensive. Pretty labor intensive. So what we're doing is we're coming up with new telesitting application that can actually reside on a lot of the infrastructure that's already in place. So you don't need to wheel in a new cart. We can actually use you know, the TV that's in a room, as an example, with a webcam on top of it. We're using artificial intelligence and cognitive computing that we're layering in there to check out motion vectors and things like that to see if the patients are moving this way out of the bed, is a nurse coming into the room this way, and being able to identify those things using AI. And then being able to ensure that if there's a patient that's at risk, it gets highlighted on a screen, a bank of screens that that a nurse might be watching. And um, she can then notify the local nurse from the nurse's station to go and check in on that patient. We're integrating things like facial sentiment analysis to see whether a patient is in pain or not. Those are really exciting applications that no one yet really has put into market in a big way. Wow. That's really exciting. And it sounds like you guys are on the track here of uh, being first to market, maybe in some other things. So Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you know when that happens. I'll, I'll give you a call so we can talk I, again. I love that, man. And it's like that Aristotle quote, right? You know, excellence is not just an act. It's what you repeatedly do. Therefore, it's a habit. Right. There you, you guys go. I seem to be getting into this habit of first. So I'm going to be sure to watch what you guys are doing. And out comes Rocket listeners. Watch what Cloudbreak is up to. They seem to be up to some really great things. All right. So here's the part of the show that I really like, Jamie. It's all right. Let's do it. You and I are going to pretend we're, we're building a medical leadership course. Okay. It's what it takes to be successful in medicine, the 101 or the ABCs of Jamie Edwards. And so I'd like to write out the syllabus with you. And this in this course, it's going to be kind of like a lightning round. There's four questions. And then we're going to end it with a book that you recommend to our listeners. You ready for it? Yes. Love it. All right. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? To me, the best way to improve healthcare outcomes is a result, right? You don't focus on the outcome. You focus on the things that build to the outcome. Better patient communication, more empathy, and trying to get rid of all of these misaligned incentives in the system. So for me, it's about empathy and communication. To me, those two things can solve the majority of healthcare ills. Love it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid while doing this? Is to apply your own frame and assume that that frame is applicable to everybody's situation. I think we assume, you know, we're all made up of our own life experience and we take that experience and we project that out onto the world, but that's not everybody's experience. And you really need to do great market research and really spend the time to invest in learning what the real issues are, not just the initial issues that you thought you were seeing. Excellent. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change. (laughs) Well, the important thing is not to chase the change. It's like chasing your competitors. There's a lot of people in the world of management gurus who say, don't worry about what your competitors are doing. Just focus on you and your mission. And if you can successfully execute on that, then, you know, your competitors will fall by the wayside. I feel like the same is true for that question. 
Right. No, I, I think that's a great message. And so finally, what is the one area of focus that should drive all else in your company? So you're saying from a mission standpoint? It, it could be from a mission standpoint. Yeah, for us, it's all about the mission, right? It's all about this mission to humanize healthcare. And we have our values and our principles. And if something doesn't fit into that, we don't do it. Right. So for us, it's about knowing your mission, understanding the goalposts, and figuring out how you're going to get things across that finish line in an effective fashion. Because at the end of the day, no one has the market cornered on ideas, but execution can corner a market. Totally. I love that. That's a great quote. I'm going to write that one down, Jamie, and I'll give you credit <laughs> for it. Maybe the first 10 times I use it. <laughs> yeah. After, after that, it's yours. After that, it's yours. I'm, I'm it. To be honest, I'm sure I stole that from somebody else somewhere. But it's sitting in my brain. <laughs> no, I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. Um, and so let's wrap it up with a book. Which book do you recommend to our listeners? Yeah. So the book that we actually handed out to all of my C team here at the company is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. It is a true book about all the things that can go wrong in entrepreneurship. You asked about those lessons where you actually learned something, where things went wrong. The book is all about that. It's all about things that went wrong and what you learned from them. And when you look under the hood, all the, all the issues that companies face. And I think Ben does a really good job of outlining how you can learn from those and how you handle the difficult situations, by the way, that no one ever teaches you about. There's no course in business school on how to fire people. They have mm -hmm. courses on how to hire people, but no one really teaches you the appropriate way to hire, to fire someone someone with dignity, right? Like, how do you do that? So you learn that the hard way by screwing up a few times until you figure out what the right way to do it is. And so the book goes through different use cases like that. And it's pretty brilliant. That's awesome. So there you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners, the 101 of Jamie Edwards. Empathy and communication. Make sure that you don't apply your own frame. Walk a mile in the other person's shoes. Do not chase the change and be all about your mission. And finally, make sure you read that book, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Everything that, that we talked about on the show today is going to be on the show notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash Jamie, and you're going to find his podcast episode with all the show notes, links to his company, and the best ways to contact him, including the resources that he shared here. So Jamie, before we conclude, I just want to ask that you share one closing thought with the listeners and the best way they could get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, one, Saul, so grateful for the time today. Uh, again, fan of the podcast and getting this message out is important. So thank you for providing the venue to do that. People want to get in touch with me, they can go to the CloudBreak website, cloudbreak.us. I'm also on LinkedIn and I try and manage a humanized healthcare dialogue on Twitter at the um, call sign at Jamie Edwards. So J-A-M-E-Y Edwards and uh, people can follow me there and engage in the dialogue about how we're pushing healthcare forward. Fantastic. And so Outcomes Rocket listeners, there you have it. You have an invitation to join Jamie in a discussion and feel free to reach out to him via the ways that he just mentioned. Jamie, just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. I know that these words that we shared today are going to be available to the listeners and I hope that they create a, a ripple effect of change in the really the way the healthcare system is doing things. So big kudos to you and your company for doing what you're doing. And thank you for being on the show. Yeah, it's all very grateful. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 